0: So awesome to be here today. Just a tremendous presence of God. You never take it for granted. want to get that volume right, get the buzz out of it. I want to welcome those online. You're watching. I know we've got many friends around the world. So God wants to touch you and speak to you today. And we're glad that you have decided to join us. Amen. And uh, I want to just uh, begin to say, I just want to honor Pastor David Kate for, I mean, last weekend, that was just amazing. It was just stunning, the presence of God that came, the quality of everything that was done. You know, you can't help but be proud of sons and daughters that are like that. And I just want to honor you for your sacrifice and for, it didn't just happen. It happens because you brought many people together and you paid a price and we see the fruit of it. And I just want to honor you and just appreciate you very much. I just love you very much. And I thank God for what he's done through you to carry on our legacy. Come on, let give him a clap and appreciate them. Amen. Come on. And uh, I was so touched by Miami and what Miami did and uh, perhaps some of you may not realize she's uh, third generation in the house. That her parents were here before we arrived, and Lynn Ward, and they have served with us faithfully. Are you here today? There they are over there, and Lynn. Come on, let's give a big clap. They've served faithfully over all these years through thick and thin, ups and downs, all the troubles and trials, and here you still are and still serving. We just love you and appreciate you very much. And uh, of course, Shine and Kathy, they've amen. raised them, and uh, they're also uh, been in the house all these years, and they've served, they've walked through all our ups and downs and all our difficulties, one just Come on, let's appreciate them properly, amen. And then we see Miami, your third generation who will go to the nation and beyond. And that's how it should be. God is the God of generations. And uh, we should never think in terms of our own generation. You've always got to think in terms of what will be left behind you, the legacy you'll leave and what you'll invest in the next generations. So no matter what stage in our journey we are, we should be praying and doing something to help the next generations, amen? Amen, amen. amen. we need to have multiple generations. Praise the Lord, well, don't you open the Bible with me? Why don't you have a look in uh, Matthew, book of Matthew? And uh, I was sort of saying, we've got lots of things to share. I wanted to share something. I kind of, you know, it's near Christmas time, but I'll start off with Christmas, but we'll go somewhere else. (laughs) How about that? Uh, I want to speak a message today called Warrior King. Warrior King, why don't you look with me in Matthew 2, verses one through to verse three. And I encourage you, whatever level of uh, your journey you are, wherever you are in your journey with God, Uh, then uh, you can receive something out of this. You may not catch it all, but you'll catch something. So I encourage you, open your ears of your heart to hear what God wants to say to you, amen? Okay then, so uh, I wanna read from Matthew 2 verse one. And uh, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is, there it is, born king of the Jews. We have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king, notice another king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So many people, when they think about Christmas, they're thinking about, you know, like the Christmas scene and Christmas trees and Christmas gifts. And, and sometimes we think of the, the baby in the manger and so on. Often people uh, don't have a concept, but the Bible is very clear. These were wise men. These were learned men. They had studied and they were they were aware of the season and the time they were in. Just as we need to be aware of the season and the time we're in, there's global changes taking place, many signs that indicate the imminent return of the Lord. We need to be people that understand The season. These wise men were people who understood the season and they came saying, Where is he who's born? king of the Jews. In other words, they understood a warrior king had been birthed into the earth, and they wanted to come to him to honor him. And uh, so we see then that right from the very beginning, Jesus is identified not as a baby in a manger. He's identified by those who understood who he was. He's identified as king. He's identified as a warrior king, a mighty warrior king. And uh, the way he came into the earth, he came in uh, and and, and is coming was uh, uh, missed by most people because he came in the way of the kingdom which is humility so when Jesus arrived he was clothed with the character of the kingdom humility born as a vulnerable humble dependent person dependent child and yet he rose up and the Bible says that uh, uh, when he died they they wrote on his even his enemies wrote on the cross king of the Jews so right right at the beginning others come and declare this is the king And at the end of his life, even his enemy said, this is the king. Jesus is a king. We need to understand who he is. He's a king, amen, amen. And the Bible tells us when he comes again, guess how he will come? he will come as a king look at this i read it out of uh, revelation 19 16 and he has a robe on his thigh and a name written king of kings and lord of lords that means that's an expression mean he's the supreme ruler he's the emperor he will come clothed with authority and power this jesus we serve this jesus we're singing about he is a king and the, the decision we need to understand is whether we'll we'll live with him as our king Amen? Okay, so let's ask the question then, what is a king? And uh, we're gonna look into an Old Testament story soon, a very powerful story, and I wanna open up and show you some things out of it uh, that will apply to your life and also the hidden picture that's inside of it. But first of all, what's a king? King is a person who has a territory and a people. If you don't have a territory, you're not a king. If you don't have a people, you're not a king. So a king is someone who has a territory and a people and he rules over them, his ways are implemented, his culture is implemented. So kings are born kings. They're not, they're not voted in as a king. You don't vote in the king, you have to be part of a kingly family. And uh, so uh, a king then is a, is a person whose royalty, uh, that he rules by, his, by right, by who he is. So when Jesus came, he came as a king. The, notice that the message of Jesus is this, that repent, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we can live with the mindset of democracy where we'll take a little bit of Jesus and only the bit we like, or we'll adopt the true picture of him, which is he's a king and he calls us into a kingdom and he calls us into allegiance, he calls us into obedience, he calls us to be the members of his king to rise up also like him as warriors in his kingdom. You're getting quiet there. Okay, so I called him a warrior king. We see what a king is. A king has territory and he has people that he influences and rules over. What is a warrior? A warrior is a person engaged in a conflict. A warrior is a person engaged in a conflict, engaged in some kind of warfare or struggle. A warrior is a person who is living for a cause. That's why every believer is called to be a warrior, to live for a cause. Is there not a cause? We look at what's going on in the community. Look at the broken lives. Look at the alcohol and the addictions and the broken families, the broken marriages. Look at families in turmoil, the violence, all the disruption. Is there not a cause? You were called to live for a cause. We're never called just to come to church meetings. We're never called just to come to prayer meetings. We're called to live for a person and to live for his cause to become a warrior who's serving a warrior king that's what we're called to see so Jesus was born a warrior king you notice there he became engaged in warfare now his warfare like ours is not against people that's where Christians over the centuries have made big mistakes when they thought the warfare is against people our warfare is not against people Our warfare is against the hidden spirit realm, a hidden spirit world, unseen, invisible, yet real. Within it, there are spirit beings that torment and influence and manipulate and control the lives of people. Hidden spirit beings that are very real, they have names and they have an agenda and they seek to oppose their agenda upon people. Jesus came, it says in 1 John 2, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the power of sin, to destroy the power of curses, to destroy oppression and to expose and uncover that behind all of these things are hidden spirit beings. That's why when Jesus began to describe his ministry, he said, said, If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out or overcome and hurl out of their place demons, then the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. Much of the church globally ignores deliverance, ignores the ministry of deliverance, and it's therefore under the influence of much of that jesus came to uncover it and expose it the first time we see him doing deliverance is in a church meeting and there's someone there tormented by a spirit a person who loves god wants to walk with god has come to be part of the the community of god and inside he's tormented and in bondage to another kingdom and jesus flushes out and exposes that other kingdom when I was in teaching, uh, uh, as a result of praying in the school, there surfaced among many people the hidden things that were in their lives. If you are praying for a revival, a move of God, one of the things you have to be aware is, it's not all blessing, it's actually massive conflict and warfare where there's an exposure of what is really going on of the spirit beings manipulating, controlling and wrecking people's lives. You and I are called into a warfare. We're called to be warriors. We're called to serve a king who commissions us to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Think about it. Notice there in that first couple of verses, it said, "When where is he who's born king of the Jews? Immediately after it says, and Herod, the usurper king, was greatly troubled or agitated or in turmoil over the presence of another king. When you live, In the reality of the kingdom of God, there is always clashes and disturbances take place. (laughs) You can't avoid it. It's not a matter of being nice to everyone, see? So in in, in Ephesians 6, it tells us that uh, in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and wicked spirits in the spirit world. Therefore put on the armor of God. Why would you put on the armor of God? Because if you don't, you'll get a hiding. That probably is the best way to put it. If you don't, you get beaten up. If you don't, you get wounded. And why would you put on the armor? Not just to protect yourself, you put on the armor so you can engage in a fight. So all through the book of Ephesians, it tells us from the beginning what Christ has done, all the blessings He's given us, the position He's given us, the goodness He's given to us, and then it tells you how to get your life ordered and it ends up now Put on the armor of God and having done all, stand. In other words, don't be pushed around, don't be bullied. Don't be bullied by spirit beings. Don't be bullied by their influence. See, that's that's what the Bible is talking about. Sometimes we read the verses and it doesn't relate to where we live. But in fact, for many people, they're being bullied and pushed and pressed and harassed by tormenting spirits and they haven't got a clue what it is. So many pastors are like that. I talked to a pastor recently. He said, I cannot believe the change in my life since you delivered me from evil spirits. My life is transformed. I had someone ring me the other day. He said, we come to your freedom retreat out of town. And he said, I cannot believe I lived all those years tormented by so many spirits, by rejection thoughts, by shame, by all kinds of things that were in my life. He said, after that one encounter with the Lord at that weekend, it is all gone. I'm a free person. This is the warfare we're called to. The issues that are going on in the world are not about the left and the right, They're about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And the sooner you realize that, the better. Many, many Christians, I find, are absolutely clueless about that warfare. And therefore, they have no idea how to respond. Come on. Okay, I want you to go with the Old Testament with me. And uh, because let me say this, that God is always in every generation looking for warriors. There's never been a generation where God did not look for a man or a woman who would be a warrior to take up his cause to set people free. See, for some people they think, well, you know, God's mean or demanding, perhaps the church culture you've been in or the, the church background you've had or the way people have treated you, you had bad experiences and people have been legalistic and harsh and condemning and judgmental. That has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. That is the enemies of the kingdom of God. That those are the very people who become hostile to jesus when he said this is what the kingdom's like and he loved people and healed people and set them free think about it think about it so god is always looking for a deliverer he's always looking for warriors who'll stand up and pay the price to become strong in the lord and be a deliverer he wants in our generation deliverers to arise in my family i'm the first deliverer to arise And now we're seeing the blessing and the benefit in the third generation. There has to be in every generation, someone who will step up and take up the Lord's cause and be a deliverer first for their their family and then as an overflow to those around them. The only question is, will you be such a person? Will you be a warrior? Will you take up the cause of Christ? Will you carry on the ministry that he began? Okay. so. So what does a deliverer do? A deliverer is able to uncover and expose and flush out of the open hidden spirits that are bringing people into bondage, set them free. Pray for them to set them free. It's a privilege given to all believers. How about that? Okay, have a look at, in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I'm just going to read sections out of it. I don't take through the whole story. I encourage you to look through the whole story. But I want to take sections, and I want to, out of the sections, just uh, uh, just explain four different things, four important things that are in this, and then we're going to see that every one of those uh, is, happened in the life of Jesus. So number one, we, let's have a look here. There's a need for a fresh encounter with God. Every person needs their own personal experience and encounter with God. You need to have encounters with God. Let, and read it in Judges 6, 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree or oak tree, which is an Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abirazai, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That's a good verse, isn't it, eh? Yeah. You need to say it to yourself. Look in the mirror and say it. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Should say it into the mirror, James. Every day, look straight in there at that man in that mirror. Say that the Lord is with you. You're a mighty man of valor. And he said, and Gideon said, well, he didn't come up with a very mighty man of valor response. His response, well, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, how come all these problems are happening? And he said, where are all the miracles? eh? come on, tell me that. Where's the miracles? God's with us. Where's the miracles? In other words, he equated God being with us with miracles. Good thinking. Okay, and then he goes on. He said, "Well, all America's our fathers told us about. Didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord has forgotten us and delivered us from the hand of the Midianites." And the Lord turned to him and said, "Now it's like, like the Lord's death. You know, you can say some stuff to the Lord. It's like he's deaf; doesn't hear a word. Not interested in that. That that big speech he makes is just God carries on like it never happened." He said, "The Lord turned to him. Go in this might of yours, and you'll save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you?" How about that? It's like he ignored him altogether. You know, know, when people come up with an excuse why they can't do something, you should probably just ignore it altogether. Obviously God ignores it altogether. Keep focused on what they can do. How about that? So notice here, every person needs an encounter with God because encounters with God have an impact in your life. That's why you need them. If you don't understand why you need them, you won't enter into our fasting and prayer season in in January because you won't understand why it's important or why we do this. We'll get on to some more on that another time. So encounter is a personal experience, a face-to-face encounter or experience with God. So we meet and experience personally. So encounter is something you've personally experienced. It's not something you heard about. It's not someone in in the pulpit saying, well, God spoke to me, did this and this. That's someone else's experience. You need your own. You need your own experience of God. If we seek him, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So we need an encounter with the spirit and the power of God. When a heart is touched, there's tears. We feel impacted by God and God begins to speak to us because things with God, encounters with God will affect you. Encounters with God will affect you. How does it impact you? There's a number of ways that encounters with God impact you. And, and, and look, and you see it in this encounter here. Number one, there's a new in, impartation of light into you. When you have an encounter with God, light comes into you. When I come here to a meeting and they get into worshiping, I hardly want to stop. I am feeling the presence of God and the light blowing into me. I can't stop singing the song for days afterwards. <laughs> well, better than sing one of those jingle bell things. You know, they get into your head, you know. <laughs> mess with your head. I'd rather have, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Wake up with Adam head. Yeah, be much better, isn't it? See, so our spirit gets energized and comes alive when you have an experience with God. See? Uh, number two, uh, there's a new awareness that God is with you. When you have an encounter with God, you become aware God is with you. Notice what the Lord said. The Lord is with you now one of the big problems people have is they feel they're alone I'm on my own God is there I'm down here he's got the freedom I got all the problems so we get used to living in rejection like an orphan like I'm on my own God an encounter with God suddenly become aware God is with me this morning I live with him God is with me it puts something into you you're not alone you're not alone, you're not an orphan. That's why they call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And you've got Jesus in your life, God is with you. Think about it. Second, the, the, the third thing that happens is there's a, there's a new awareness of your identity. There's a new awareness of who your true identity is. The, the world pressures you and tries to conform you to become something. Daniel's friends, they gave them all new names to try and make them into the image of their God. The world around you will push you down. You're a loser, you can't do this, you're no good, you can't do that, all that kind of stuff. constant in subtle different ways, the message not good enough comes through. This happens for all of us. See? So you notice here, he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now you see, encounters with God, one purpose of them is to establish your identity who you are, the name Gideon, by chance means warrior warrior The one who cuts down the enemy. So his name is Warrior, but he's certainly not living like it. He's living fearful, he's living scaredy, he's hiding away from the enemy, he's intimidated, but he's pondering. I, I really wonder where God is in all this. There's, there's like a, he's in trouble and in bondage, and but there's a longing for God. Is that where you are today? Perhaps you've got that longing too for God. There's something I'm longing for. I, there can't be settling for what I have. See, and that was him. And God says, Gideon, warrior, one who cuts down the enemy, you're a mighty man. That means you're a champion or a warrior. When God says you're a warrior, you're a warrior. When God looks in you, he sees a champion. He sees his son in you and he says, you've got what it takes to do life now the devil will tell you you haven't got what it takes it's all too big, it's all impossible listen, everything with God is impossible then it's very difficult, then it's done and you're the champion listen, God wants to raise you up whatever you're facing that's something that God wants you to rise up and become the warrior champion that defeats it and it's different for every one of us most of our battles are not seen by anyone they're just fought in private against temptation and intimidation and sin sin no, he says you're a mighty man of valor. That means strength or military capacity or force. So the thing is that when people see you, they see how you are or they know you by your background. Oh, yeah, 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 I know him. Yeah, 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 Not much good. But they don't realize that a person who gets filled with the Spirit of God, who allows Christ to become the leader in their life can change on the inside. So, don't put people into a box. They're only one day of it, one decision away from emerging as a warrior. They're only one battle away from it. You're only one battle away from emerging. I wonder what that battle is. So, people will label you, and the devil will label you according to your past and your failures. God looks ahead and sees your destiny, your purpose, and then he can say to you, Warrior, mighty warrior. See? Other people look and say, oh, what? Don't look like a warrior to me. No, 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 because you're looking at their past and their present. You're not looking at their future. You're not looking at their destiny. You're not looking at the man or woman God called them to be. You're looking at the outside, looking at the brokenness, the heaviness, the tattoos, whatever it is you're looking at. Don't look at that. Find the hidden man of the heart. The spirit man, where God says, there's a champion in there. There's a winner in there. Man, my spirit is in that person. See, isn't it interesting? See, the name that you carry. See, the name Jesus, the one who saves, the one who heals, the one who delivers, the one who's with you in every situation. Man, when you've got Jesus with you, you've got everything you need. The, the fourth thing that happens when you have an encounter with God is a new awareness of the calling and purpose on your life. A lot of people are drifting because they've got no purpose. That is what he said, the Lord turned to him. Verse 14, go in this might of yours and you'll be, you shall save Israel, have I not sent you? And he repeats it, you'll save Israel, haven't I sent you? Man oh man, God is always looking for someone to send, to represent him who catches heart. That's why you need the encounter to catch his heart. Isaiah caught the heart of God, had the encounter with God, realized he's unclean and got his life cleaned up and immediately what did he hear? Who will we send? We need to send someone, who can we send? Count me in. But notice the encounter and the cleanup came before the commissioning. It's always a pattern that God works. See, we all wanna go for it and we haven't got our life cleaned up too much. <laughs> how about that? And notice, you shall save, God, God never does anything without a person to work through. Yeah, many people got a wrong concept. They think that God just do whatever He wants. No, He's not doing anything. He doesn't really care about us. That's not how it works. God has, has chosen to limit Himself to work through people. He needs people to work through. Why is that? Because He authorized earth for man. And if he's authorized earth to be the place of man's dominion, he won't step in and take the dominion. He'll work through people. He will always work. That's why in every generation he's looked for people. Now we're looking for great people, great end time people. See? And notice there, he, we're, we're, have I not sent you? So God, so God calls us and then he sends us. So you're either living like, a, like I'm an accident of nature, I am just happen to be here, you know? Hastings, I'm not here by an accident. I came here because God sent me. I'm doing this because God sent me. When God sends someone, he will stand behind them and make them succeed. What if you're sent into the community, sent into the neighborhood, sent into the hospital, sent into the school, sent into the business arena? You've got to see yourself as a sent person, but you're not a sent person unless someone sent you. You're just a went person. had a good idea. They never work out, I can tell you now. I tried a few of the good ideas, they didn't work out. You, you need to let God speak with you. Okay then, so notice there, that's the first thing. First thing we need is an encounter with the Lord. Second thing is, we need to build an altar to the Lord. I could say a lot on this. I'm gonna give, try to keep it condensed because I wanna just get you the bigger picture. So number one, we need an encounter, fresh encounter with the Lord everything begins with the encounter because of what an encounter does secondly you need to build your own altar to the lord you need to build your notice in verse 23 the lord said to him, peace be with you don't fear you shall not die and Gideon built an altar there to the lord and called it the lord is peace see he built an altar see it didn't just come into being it didn't just happen he built an altar So altars have to be built. So what is an altar and how is that relevant to us? See, when we read the Bible, often we can't connect what's in it to how we live our life. So let me help you understand this because the Bible is full of altars. Cain and Abel made altars to God. Abraham had altars, Noah had altars. Moses had altars that God commanded him to make. In other words, altars, are God's idea. They're God's idea. And they therefore have we need to understand what they are and what their purpose is. So number one, let me give you things. What is an altar then? What is an altar? Number one, it's a place dedicated for sacrifice or service. So an altar is a place or a platform that they would raise up, and it's dedicated or set apart either for sacrifice to someone or for service to someone. That's what it was. It's for sacrifice or service. Do you see someone at an altar? They're sacrificing, making an offering to someone or something, and they're serving, okay? Second thing is, an altar in the Bible was always intended to be a meeting place, a meeting place between the physical world and the realm of the Spirit. It's a meeting place between the physical realm that you can see and live in and the invisible realm of the spirit where there are demons and where God dwells. It's a meeting place. Or another way to describe that would be an altar is a gateway. It's a door or entrance. So it's a meeting place meaning at the altar, I encounter something or at the altar, I have access into something always at altars always at altars the next thing about an altar an altar is a place of exchange it's a place of exchange because on an altar people would offer a sacrifice but it was always an exchange it's always a trading i yield up this and in return i receive that now of course in the in the, in, in the west we don't see a lot of that but if you go over to asia you see it everywhere all over the place. You go into Africa, you see it everywhere, and we look with, oh, ignorant people. No, 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 they understand the spirit world. They understand that an altar is a place. So you find in many businesses right through Asia, yet you go there and they will have a little altar with something burning to their God. Now they understand that the altar is an ex- place of exchange or a meeting place between the physical world and the world of the spirit they're making an offering in exchange for receiving something from the god they worship so always when there's an altar there's a person offering there's a sacrifice offered and there's a spirit entity of some kind that is engaged that's how altars work of course from africa you'd understand it uh, there's a whole teach for an hour just on altars in Africa and the purpose and how they use them to curse people and hurt people and all that kind of stuff so anyway that's an altar so what what makes an altar powerful is not the altar what it's made of it's the sacrifice the quality of the sacrifice that's offered it's the sacrifice that's offered is everything and the why you're offering it the motivation of the heart i can't go into too much of that so so how much how, how does that sort of how does that sort of relate to us well As we'll see in a moment, there's two types of altars, there's godly altars and there's evil altars. A godly altar is to engage the presence of God. An evil altar is to engage the presence of demonic spirits. Now you can be worshiping at the altar of God and engaging God and the blessings and the benefits and the flow of life, or you can be worshiping at an evil altar and engaging demonic spirits and accessing the bondage and the dominion that they bring. That's your choice. They say, well, I don't see any altars around here. Well, when we have a, what do we call it? Oh, they come to the front, it's called an altar call. Oh, how about that? Where'd that name come from? Because of lost understanding of what an altar was, a place of engagement, of connection, of meeting, of sacrifice. The purpose of people coming down the front is actually to build an altar and make an offering to the Lord. That's why it's called an altar call. Yeah, so, so, okay, you need to understand it. So how does that relate to us? I say? Well, here's the thing, altars are built in the heart. We didn't go up to the high place. We didn't go up to tomato Peak and build, because we're closer to the gods, go up higher. Uh, we don't have to do that, you know? That's old testament thinking, that's weird thinking. They're natural thinking. See, the spirit world is accessible anywhere, but the place we engage, the spirit realm, is with our heart. It's with your heart. So all idols are found in your heart. There may be some found in your room as well, but all idols start in your heart. They, they are built in your heart, established in your heart, and all altars or places of sacrifice or giving to these idols are all in the heart. That's why God is interested in your heart. Out of your heart flow every issue of your life. If there are idols in your heart, then it will affect what spirit realm you engage with on a consistent basis. Oh, you're thinking now, it's getting real quiet now, huh? Right? So here's the thing either the living God is worshipped in our heart and we become like him or demons are worshipped without us knowing it and we become like them whatever you worship or surrender to or make exchanges with you will become like that's how it works that's why if we worship God we become changed as a worshipper and become more and more like him in his nature if you're engaging with demons, whether you know it or not, you'll be becoming more and more like them in your nature. So, you getting the idea? Okay. <clears throat> now, let me just talk about the two altars then. So, firstly, a godly altar is where a person engages with the Lord. So, they appear all through the Bible. And it, what makes it powerful is the sacrifice. So in 1 Chronicles 21, David was given an opportunity to offer a sacrifice, it cost him nothing. The guy said, listen, I'll give you the land, I'll give you the place, for will give you the things for the altar, I'll give you the sacrifice. And he said this, I will never offer anything to God that didn't cost me anything. But many Christians think you can come and offer to God something that never cost you anything, and that you're gonna get the best benefits back. You can't cheat and rip off God. Well, you can't cheat and rip him off. How do you, what are you thinking? See, see, so when we offer worship, we're offering a sacrifice. I haven't got time to talk about praise and worship, but praise and worship are the sacrifices we offer, sacrifices of thanksgiving, sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of worship. They cost us something, but they're in exchange. I'm giving this to God and I'm receiving something from him in exchange. So David said, and this is his heart, see that notice there that what he offered reflected his heart towards God. I will not give anything that costs me nothing. If I'm gonna give to God, it'll cost. And it says this, it says this, God answered with fire from heaven. Now God answered, that means he heard what was offered on the altar. The altar spoke to him. The offering on the altar spoke to him. And he saw, said, oh, I like that fire. Now that is something scary. I mean, I've never been to a place where fire fell from heaven. I've seen lightning and that's scary enough, but fire falling from heaven, man, oh man, that's scary. Now, every place in the Bible where fire fell from heaven, fire fell on an altar on a sacrifice. That's what our prayer and fasting week, our three weeks in January about. It's about building an altar, making a sacrifice because we want the fire of God. We want the presence of God. We want God's endorsement and blessing on the endeavors of the coming year. Yes, that's right. So we're beginning our year. We should also begin our day that way. Yes, that's right. Very good. Does this make sense to you? See, so everywhere, even in the New Testament, the disciples had three weeks praying waiting on God, reading the Bible, hungering after God, and then the Holy Ghost fire fell. It's always the same. You want the fire, you gotta pay the price. There's always a price. There's always someone builds an altar. Think about it. So, But now, what does that look like in the New Testament? Well, the New Testament, Jesus' life was a living sacrifice. He was totally surrendered to the will of the Father, and so His whole life was a living sacrifice. That's why it says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself a sweet savor sacrifice. You, you, You are to become, your heart is to become the place where you build an altar to God, where you begin to worship him and out of that comes the flow of the fire and life of God. You all got quite a lot <laughs> There's a way. You see, if you don't understand God's ways, you can try all kinds of stuff and you never get the results. God has set a way, it's by the building of an altar. Yeah. And so we beg Jesus become a living altar. You're called to present yourself a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That your whole life is now an altar, a sacrifice to God. Why? Because you're living to please Him. So God's not interested in those old stone things or building altars and stuff. You can put a little, build a little thing if you like as a place to focus your attention, but the real altar and the real place that God's looking is the heart. When Jesus died on the cross, the cross became the ultimate altar because the ultimate sacrifice was paid there. So, So for us, our primary altar is the cross of Jesus Christ because at that place, All the power of God is released for everything we need. At the cross of Christ, every power of sin is broken, every curse is broken, the power of every evil spirit is broken, the cross of Christ. We need to understand that we come to the cross in repentance, when we come to the cross of Christ, the power of God is revealed. Listen, even when Jesus died, so much power was revealed. There was a mighty earthquake, graves were broken open, the stones were shattered and the the power was released. How can we not miss? It's his sacrifice on an altar. It's there all through the Bible, all through the Bible. So your heart is the altar and what you offer to God from your heart becomes the sacrifice. That making sense? So that's where we meet with God. And notice this, that he called that altar the Prince of Peace because why? He had an encounter with God and peace had come into his heart. Jesus himself is our Prince of Peace. When you engage with him, peace comes to your troubled heart. Peace from fear, peace from anxiety. See, it's an engagement encounter with God brings peace. If you haven't got peace, you need an encounter with him again. You get the idea? Okay, what about an evil altar? Evil altar are places where people engage with evil spirits. You think, oh, I would never do that. Really? That's not my experience at all. That's why we hold freedom retreats, because people have built altars to demons and have now, under the bondage of demons. Now, in this particular story, as we'll get to, and I'll see if I can push this through to the end quickly now. so So an evil altar is a place where a person came into agreement with an idol and with the demon behind the idol, that's what it is. An evil altar is just a place where a person came into agreement with sin or with evil or with evil spirits. So evil people built evil idols. They're all through the Bible. And in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that the idol itself is nothing, just a piece of of wood. However, what the problem is, is in that is a demonic spirit. So I prayed for people who had idols in their home that were dedicated to foreign gods and demonic spirits were oppressing the family with sickness and strife. When they got rid of the idol, then their house become free. But the bigger thing is our own house, the house of our own life. So every, behind every idol, Behind every idol is a wicked spirit seeking to bring you into bondage. You know why the whole nation of Israel needed a deliverer? Because the whole nation of Israel was in bondage. They were in bondage to Midian. Midian means strife, contention, pride. How did they get? How did the people of God get into bondage to Midian? They had come to worship the altars of Baal. They had lost the fire of God. They'd lost their dedication to live a life to honor God. And now they've become just like the culture around them and worship the same gods. Does this sound familiar? The church in the West has on the whole let go of the power of the living God and exchanged it for the gods of the world that are worshiped in the world. In other words, we've taken on the values of the culture. What is needed is a fresh encounter with God. What is needed are evil altars to be torn down. And that's what Gideon was commissioned to do. Behind every evil altar, someone exchanged something and got something in return. If you got fear, you exchanged peace for fear. Somewhere in your life, you made a decision and you chose to believe a lie and ended up in bondage. And you see, when we do that repeatedly, then our lives can become riddled with layers and levels of different kinds of bondage. All kinds, all kinds of bondage. The idols most people serve are found in the heart. They're they're idols called bitterness, called offense. You can't believe how many people are offended and their offenses drive their life. Families are destroyed because of offenses. What's going on here? Oh, someone has got an altar in the heart and behind it is an idol called offense. And they're worshipping it. What does that mean? They're yielding to it. They're exchanging their freedom to hold on to the anger at someone. For other people, the idol they're serving in their heart is fear. This year, that's what's been going on all over the world. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to all the media. Cultivators of fear. That's right. Altars of Baal. Yeah. Yeah. Filling people with fear best to turn the news off get into the Word of God and let your heart get filled with faith well think about it think about it most of us here have been lied to by media and don't even know which a lie and what's true anymore so we just follow the crowd well usually the crowd are worshiping idols we need to be free of idols we need to turn our heart back to the Lord again rebuild the altar of the Lord tear down every evil altar lust pornography Massive issues and behind that are wicked spirits that you've traded purity and a great marriage and great relationships for what? You were ripped off. See, it it says in the early passage of Judges 6, they were impoverished. They hid in the caves. They they were fearful. They were confused. He says they would sow and they never reaped. It's like, a, it's like the nation was in trouble because no matter how hard they worked, they never ever got anywhere. Never got ahead would be what they would be saying. Why is that? Because of hidden demonic bondage, hidden spirits. Some families it's like that. Generation after generation, broken relationships. What's going on here? Evil spirits are destroying the generations. God is looking for a deliverer, he'll stand up and bring an end in this generation to that cycle of sin, pull down whatever is hidden and secret and in the dark, tear it down and build an altar to the Lord. That's what we had to do. Both you and I had to face where there were idols in the heart that had to be torn down. And then we had to build a life consecrated to walk with God and act differently. And then there's a fruit comes, there's blessing comes, there's a flow of God. Now, it doesn't matter where you are, it's never too late to be that one, that deliverer that says, it stops here, it stops now. Listen, the media and the culture is trying to turn people into victims. They're trying to put a victim mindset that you're here because they put you down. Well, I'm sad to hear that because if you believe that lie, you believe the lie of communism. If you believe that lie, you believe a lie that will hold you back. But if God empowers you, no matter where you are, you can come up out of that place. Because God is with you. God will help you. Nothing can overcome the living God. God is with you. God is with you. So what is living in your heart? What is it you're worshiping? What is it you're yielding? What is it you're giving into the influence and exchanging your freedom for just a moment of pleasure? is alcohol is it drugs what is it bitterness envy ego pride selfishness for a lot of people it's just they're self-centered listen when you're a self-centered person all you can think about is me and my and self-centered people are serving a spirit of pride you can't go ahead until you surrender when we surrender to God he's a loving God he gave his only son for us that means every good thing will come. He will help you. He will bless you. He will guide you. That's what he does, because he's a good God. He's a kind God. But you've got to tear down the altars, the old evil altars. Notice what it says there, tear down the evil. Judges 6, 25, the Lord spoke to him and said, take your father's bull, the second bull of seven years, tear down the altar of Baal your father has, cut it down and build an altar to the Lord. So God wants to raise up deliverers and families. Some of you have come from families with histories of brokenness. You're the generation God's calling to step up and make the difference. Not not just to stop what happened, but to build something different. That's how it works, see? It's always like that. Now here's here's the thing. Gideon, you think, "Well, well, Gideon was some great man of God. No, no, the Bible says he's terrified. He was absolutely terrified. See, it's one thing to build an altar to the Lord. It's another thing to go and pull down another altar. When you pull down another altar, people get angry. When you touch someone's idol, they will react with fury. It's all through the Bible. Every time you touch the idol, people get angry. Oh, oh, so someone tries to correct you and you get angry? Ho, 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 what idol are you serving? Do you hate yourself so much you can't receive any correction? Come on, think about this. Think about this. Someone touches your idol. Man, I had a whole heap of idols. They were firstly physical things, but they all were in the heart. I had to deal with every one of them. Get rid of them. Let them go. Abandon the idols. They're not doing any good. They're bringing bondage. Think about it. So what is it triggers you off? Oh, there's an idol sitting right in there with a demon behind it firing you up. Come on, what is lighting your wick? What is getting you fired up? With anger, fury. Man, the moment you tear down an idol, someone's gonna get upset. When Moses came and he overcame the idols uh, that uh, Israel Egypt worship, they were furious. They sent people out to kill him. When Elisha tore down the idols that that were served by Jezebel, she sent people out to kill them. I mean, it's not nice. Come on, when Paul preached the gospel and got demons cast out and people gave up buying the idols, all the silversmiths who worshiped the idols and made money from them, they came and they said, let's kill this guy. I've had many times demons rise up and say, I'll kill you. As you can see, they weren't very successful. They're liars liars as well. But listen, that's what happens. People get angry the moment the idol they serve gets touched. God said, tear it down. God didn't matter that he was frightened. God can use frightened people too. He just went in the middle of the night. Get it if you got it. I need your help here. Come and help me, guys. And they went, they tore it all down. Now, how can you tear down the idol? His father had built the idol. His father was the high priest of the idol. His father was the cause of all the trouble in the community. For some, that's what's been going on in your family. There's fathers or grandfathers that created incest or drunkenness, all kinds of problems through the family. Who is going to stand up? Who will stand up and bring the thing to an end? So many cultures want to cover it. they want. That's because they're in agreement with the idol. And if you oppose it, they will be angry at you. Don't be surprised. It's in the Bible. He tore it down. Tore the thing down. Then he went home. And the next day, they came out and said, who tore down the idol? Oh, and someone ratted on him, snitched on him. It was Gideon. Gideon did it. So they called them out and they wanna kill them. Now, this is the kind of warfare. Listen, we're living in an age. You stand up and speak your biblical opinion about homosexuality or transgender, they will hate you and wanna kill you. You're living in such an hour. We need to see what's going on. That behind these things are spirit beings and idols that men and women worship. And God is looking for warriors to stand up. Mighty men, mighty women, mighty people of God. Uh, God, after He tore it down, He built an altar to the Lord and then His calling was confirmed and He was anointed and began to influence a nation. Let me just close you this with this last thought. This is brilliant. When I looked at, I only saw this just before I came to church. Your life is not all about you. I know you thought it was, but it isn't. The sooner you realize that, the better. Gideon's journey was not all about Gideon. In the bigger plan that God had, God wanted Gideon and his story to be an imperfect, but nevertheless, a picture of Jesus Christ who is to come. Gideon never knew when he's living out his story that God has a bigger picture of which he is a part. When you're living out your story, you may not realize you're part of a much bigger picture. Let me just show it and then we'll finish. I want to have an altar call. Here's the bigger picture. When I saw, it, I thought, oh, that's amazing. Remember what Gideon's name was? Warrior. And he became a king. He overcame the enemies, began to rule. But listen, we saw that Jesus is a warrior king. And the key events in Gideon's life are exactly the same similar events that happened in Jesus' life. Jesus was born a warrior king. Gideon was born warrior, mighty man. Secondly, Gideon did nothing until he encountered the Holy Spirit. The encounter with the Holy Spirit triggered him into his destiny. Jesus, for 30 years, was not seen to do anything to advance the kingdom, but at 30, he encountered the Holy Spirit and was launched into his ministry. Gideon built an altar to the Lord as soon as he'd had the encounter. Jesus, as soon as he had the encounter, went into the wilderness, prayed, fasted, sought the face of God, built an altar out of which he carried power to change a nation. Gideon tore down the altar of Baal. Jesus cast out demons and went into the house of God and overturned the tables of the money changers. He's saying, you are serving the God of money. You've changed the house of God. There's always something. Gideon built an altar, and from that altar, he began to lead a revival in the nation and the subduing of his enemies. Jesus, at the end of his life, came to the cross and built an altar. He laid his life down so you could have freedom, so you could be empowered. And by that one sacrifice, by that one altar that Jesus had, He has mobilized warriors in every generation to preach the gospel and be deliverers of people. Your life is not just about you. It's part of a bigger story of God working through you. Today, the call of God is on your life. God is reaching out. He's wanting people today who'll encounter him. He'll build an altar to him. He'll tear down the false altars and make their life available to serve as we come out of this year and into the coming year will you be such a person will you be such a person a great way to start would be to turn up today and say god there's something in my life i need to pull down right now how do i pull it down i recognize it's there and I repent and confess it. I break my agreement that I've exchanged away my inheritance for this thing. And I turn and commit my life to the living God and get delivered of that thing. There'll be people here today need to be set free and stuff, what a way to end the year, getting set free. Come on, let's all stand to the Lord, stand up together. Let's worship Him together. If you have an altar in your heart that needs to be torn down. offense, uncleanness, addictions, control, witchcraft, trauma, something you need to be free from because you're serving it. Why don't you make your way to the front, make an altar to the Lord with your heart and talk to Him. Please come, please come, please come, please come right now, please come right now, please come. There's an altar for you to tear down an agreement with demons for you to break. There's sin to repent of. Please come. Please come. Please come. Please come now. Come on, church. Give them a clap as people are coming. Come on, let's enter into what God is doing. We give you all the glory. to the cross. Come on, have you got something you're needing to be free of? Is there uncleanness? you're watching online, perhaps there's something you need to address. Wherever you are, kneel or lift, stand and lift your hands. Build an altar to the Lord. Come, come. Is there anyone else needs to come? Just come, come. God is here. As we were just worshiping, I could feel his presence coming. Just wherever you are, just quietly now speak to him. What is that altar that's in your heart, that place where you have served something that's been destructive? Why don't you name it right now? Confess it to him. When we come to the cross, the greatest, most powerful altar in the history of humankind, it is a living altar. It's alive. Its power is here today. The power of the blood can forgive and cleanse and break every bondage. Just come to him now. Come to the one who loves you, who gave his life on the cross for you, and just repent. dead Jesus, dear Jesus, i confess my sin to you i have served this sin i've served the spirits behind it i repent i bring my sin to the cross where your blood was shed i declare myself guilty of all accusations the enemy has brought against me I bring them all to the cross and I plead for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me I renounce my agreement with every evil spirit behind that sin that bondage I break that agreement. If it's generational, Lord, I bring it to the cross. Every generational agreement, every altar that was raised to evil spirits, I bring that to the cross. I forgive those who initiated it. Now I stand before a holy God, and I claim freedom. I command every spirit that's accessed my life through secret sins, secret altars to depart now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I surrender my life to you. I build an altar in my heart of commitment to serve you alone. Oh, I can feel his presence here right now just dwell in that presence a little longer he's doing something in hearts some of you your heart is broken ask the Lord to heal that broken heart right now some of you have built walls of resistance in your heart to love touching you just break that resistance now just in Jesus name every vow to save myself and protect my heart I renounce it and break my agreement with it and let it go Let's build an altar to the Lord. Let's flow back into that song. I want you to lift your hands. We're going to sing that song strongly. We're going to build an altar in this house to the Lord in a same global church, in our personal lives. We commit today, Lord, to your cause, to your kingdom. We commit to you. Lord, hear community, nation, wherever you wish to carry your life